the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Welcome along to the podcast. We're here today with Mark Callender, who is the CEO at Vocus New Zealand. Uh, welcome along, Mark. Great to uh, great to have you joining us this afternoon for this sort of uh, dual podcast, which uh, we're sharing with uh, both our uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast listeners and also our New Zealand Business Podcast listeners. So we're gonna we're gonna chat a bit about business and, and technology today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's uh, it's, a, it's a great uh, pleasure to have you on the show. Now, um, I, I guess to sort of you know set the scene, um, how is uh, working from home uh, panning out for for you? It's a bit of a bit of a change of lifestyle having uh, you know everybody uh, in the in the same same place, kid, kids and all, all the all day every day. How's how's that working? Yeah, cha- chaotic most of the time. Um, the really interesting. Got three kids at home, so obviously trying to. Trying to balance uh, keeping the business operational while making sure my kids aren't slacking off at home and are doing their online learning um, and everything in between. Um, but it's, you know, there are some positives in terms of the family time you're getting to spend, which you wouldn't normally do. So you're there in the mornings and you're there at night. So some real positive things like that that I think have come out of really. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it, it, it's fair to say, um, you know, commute times have, uh, have, have got a fair bit shorter, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, it's about two and a half minutes I've found from uh, getting out of bed to uh, getting to the office, so that's uh, certainly helped. <laughs> excellent, excellent. And um, how how are your team um, finding it? Maybe you can just give people a little bit of a, a reminder about um, you know Vocus. What's the makeup of um, of the organisation, sort of you know across Australia, New Zealand, and and, and what does it look like for you running uh, running the New Zealand um, business? Yeah, so just a bit of background context. Obviously, we've got about 700-odd staff in New Zealand. Um, so as we've been going through this journey, and journey is the best way to describe it, uh, we've been um, you know, planning for the worst and hoping for the best. Um, and, and each step and each morning you wake up, um, you know, we, we've got that one step further to where we are today, which is working from home. Um, so it's been uh, pretty exciting from my perspective to see how the teams rallied around. So teams really do pull together in a crisis. And probably the thing that I'm most proud of with the team is how they've rallied around. And we, in a matter of weeks, we've displaced 700 people uh, out to working from home. Uh, one of the critical aspects of that has been our contact centre. So we run a 200-seat contact centre. Uh, again, very proud to say that that entire contact centre is now at home, taking voice calls, email, chat, um, and no discernible notice uh, on our, our customer experience to date. So... Um, again, just uh, incredibly inspired by what their team have done in a very short space of time. No, oh, that's fin- that's fantastic. Yeah, look, I, I think um, you know we 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 had a little bit of warning that um, that you know this this potentially was coming, but it all started moving very very quickly, didn't it? And the and um, you know really only in the in the last uh, probably couple couple of weeks for, uh, for for most people. What what did that look like internally? At what time did you sort of you know start um, you know having to really uh, make changes. I, I recall um, hearing from uh, so, someone in your team uh, probably um, two weeks or, or or so back around a meeting, and they said, "Oh, well, you know, we've uh, we've moved to doing all meetings uh, remotely. We're not doing in-person uh, meetings at all." Uh, that was something where where it certainly felt to me like Vocus was uh, was probably a little bit of ahead of the curve on uh, on on that front. Um, so yeah, how how did um, how did you decide to do that? 
Yeah, somebody somebody asked me the other day what was the what was the, what's been the hardest leadership challenge through this process. Um, and something like this, there is there are so many views and perspectives and facts and data, and everyone's got an opinion and everyone's got a view. You've moved too fast. You've moved too slow. Um, I think we've gone through a very pragmatic process. So we we a couple of weeks ago we started seeing early signs that we. Uh, we thought things were going to get worse before they were going to get better. We saw a lot of that was coming out of Australia as well. So we did have the luxury of seeing where Australia was at. Um, so we slowly put it put in place a plan that was ultimately designed. Uh, we knew the, we were working towards the point that we knew we'd have to work from home. Um, that still happened sooner than we thought. We were actually in test week uh, for our contact centre when we uh, got the emergency notification and 48 hours. Um, so there's nothing like pulling together a plan quickly. Um, but we'd done a lot of the preparation work. So um, the challenge for us, we knew that we knew that technology, we had a great technology team. Uh, to me, that my attention started turning towards our people uh, in terms of, you know, how do they work from home? How do they maintain productivity? How do they main, maintain communities? Um, and how do they work in a remote environment? Um, it's something that I'm still learning with, so I'm still juggling with. Um, and, you know, it's something that my team are still grappling with on a daily basis. Um, there's some great ideas that come out of this. Um, again, video conferencing. There's nothing quite like having Friday night drinks uh, with you know 100 <laughs> odd people. Um, so there's some real positives that come out of it. Um, but again, now we're we're looking ahead. You know, how much longer are we going to be in this situation? Our staff keep asking us, well, what happens if it goes on for another three weeks? And I said, well, if it goes on for another three weeks, we'll we'll keep doing what we're doing today, and we'll keep coming up with creative ideas in terms of how we can keep the the team engaged and motivated. Uh, this morning, I did an all-hands call with uh, with our company. So I had about 400 people on a, um, a VC, uh, took questions, took Q&A. Um, so there's still lots of excitement about working from home. Uh, and to, prior to coming onto the school, we were talking. I think it's going to change how businesses will work moving forward. Yeah, I, I mean that's that seems to be the case. Is you know as we're um, move, you know we've we've moved into this remote working and, and video conferencing, you know, not, not by choice um, to, the, to the most degree, it gives us a taste of just how capable the technology is now. And I guess, you know, the, the impact on uh, the economy um, and people's lives would have been very, very different if this had been 20 years ago, for instance, just the, the incredible communications capabilities uh, that, that exist uh, you know, if we'd rolled it back 20 years, you know, virtually, virtually no uh, um, email, and um, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, streaming, streaming online, all the different things that we take for granted now, we're, uh, uh, you know, just a, a, a bit of a dream, re- realistically. So um, we're certainly benefiting, aren't we? Yeah, we had the luxury that we, we actually started a. So we were looking at what we can do from a sustainability perspective, and how can we reduce our commute time for a lot of our staff. And we actually initiated a work from home for our contact centre probably about eight or nine months ago. And, um, you know, that turned out to be a, a foundational building block to get us through this crisis now. But we already had around 60 of our staff displaced in their homes. Um, that was as much about getting getting cars off the road, you know, giving people, work, working mums or dads, a chance to work in a home environment, see kids off to school, see them come home. Um, we just felt that a contact centre environment was something that, could be much more effectively done in a work from home scenario. So, uh, as it turns out, you know that was that was a key foundational block to getting us to the point where we could displace the entire contact centre. It's still a bit surreal today to think that we've got 200 staff out there taking phone calls, helping our customers, getting them online. 
Um, you know, as I sit here in, in a small office, it's quite phenomenal that that workforce is pulled together and that's how they're working today. It's, it's a very surreal uh, feeling. Yeah. So um, what are you able to see? I guess you've got access to a, to a lot of data on, on just, you know, how, how different our internet patterns are. I guess uh, most office internet connections are, uh, are probably not doing, uh, doing so much at the moment compared to what they'd normally be, uh, uh, be doing other than, uh, you know, I guess for those connecting into um, remote servers and things that need to go via via an office connection, but uh, you know it's all all we're really seeing the stress is on those uh, home broadband connections, in home Wi Fi and and the like. How does uh, how does that look at the moment? Yeah, so across Australia, New Zealand, there's been a, a massive surge from your your larger enterprise customers, uh, your large international carriers, and your OTTs. Um, Azure sent out some stats the other day that their access to the platforms increased 795% in the last couple of weeks, right? So that's phenomenal uh, amounts of data moving to the cloud. Um, our networks need to sustain that. Um, so if you look at our New Zealand network specifically, um, our peak is still 9.03 p.m. For, for some reason. So it's, that's, that's still how the, the peak spot, our peak demand's up about 35%, 40 uh, compared to you know, a week or two ago. Um, the daytime is obviously where the most significant rise has been, which is you know nearly, nearly doubled over that same period. Um, we still have headroom within our networks. Um, we're obviously seeing a significant amount of video traffic during the day with uh, customers using Zoom and, and Microsoft Teams and a range of other technologies like that. Um, and uh, we've also seen a massive increase in our Trans-Tasman international uh, capacity as well. Um, so while my attention's been on people and home and connectivity, uh, I now also turn my attention to making sure that we can meet the demands that uh, you know our consumers are going to need over the foreseeable future. It turns out that our investment in the Rugby World Cup, while we put sufficient uh, capex in the networks at the time and we didn't quite get near those uh, volumes, again, it's one of those foundational pieces where we had so much overhead built into the network, it was a precursor to being able to support what eventually happened here. Um, Lots of my team and the uh, networks team are having long, long, long nights ensuring that the network's still up and running. Um, but we're in a really, really good space from a, both a capacity and connectivity perspective. Um, uh, I think the biggest concern that we start turning towards now is, um, you know, other people and working from homes, their well-being. Do they have jobs? Don't they have jobs? So that the hardship factor is, um, while the telco industry is fairly well insulated and we can sit here and say it's great, people need data and they need bandwidth and everyone um, needs connectivity. Uh, we're also very aware that um, you know small business New Zealand, uh, which is you know a lot of what we're founded on, um, and our homes are going to go through a period of hardship, and it's how we can collectively work through that as an industry uh, to ensure people have the connectivity they need during these times. Yep, and you know I guess I keep hearing uh, you know bits and pieces of of feedback of of people who are struggling with their uh, with their connections. All of that must be flowing back onto your, you know, onto your team, onto your call centre, um, and, and across the other, um, you know, internet service providers uh, in New Zealand. How uh, how you how you coping with uh, with those those pressures and demands? Because you know you've got obviously in a number of brands, um, you know, in in New Zealand, and um, you know a, a lot of a lot of your customer base is the is the home user. Absolutely. So. There's a few unusual things that have happened. Firstly, we've started talking about voice again. So, you know, I, th I thought I'd never talk about voice, but uh, obviously we're seeing significant increase in voice volumes. You've seen some of the congestion on the networks. Um, 
again, the rise of voice has been uh, something that I didn't think I'd see in my lifetime, but that, that's come back quite strong. Uh, in terms of, again, our people, again, it's about arming them with um, tools to be able to manage customers. Customers are coming through with uh, high on emotion, high on uncertainty, um, and most of them are, are fact-finding at this stage to understand you know, what would happen in certain scenarios. So the way we help our staff with that is to give them clear guidelines, tools in terms of how they can help and work with customers. Um, separate to that, we're also working um, uh, across a range of government agencies as well uh, in terms of you know how as an industry we can address this this challenge that's going to come at all of us. Yep. And um, one of the one of the pieces of the puzzle for um, for telecommunications providers is a telecommunications forum. Where do, where does a body like that fit in for you? Um, you know, whilst you're having to you know deal with. Uh, you know, I guess you know, government, government departments, ministers, and so on. What's their role, and how does that, um, you know, how does that help the the, the sector at this uh, sort of time? Um, so the the single strength that the TCF brings is a, is a collective voice. So um, you know, we've have had instances uh, in the past where crises have occurred where the industry really needs to come together for a common good. Um, obviously, it's it can be hard for industry participants to come together for obvious reasons. So the TCF does provide that framework um, and that ability to come together collectively and then face uh, into uh, governments and ministers as required with a collective view from the from the industry. Um, uh, the upside to that is it doesn't look like agendas are being pushed. Um, we are really all in this together. Uh, we all are focused on the, the right outcomes for our customers um, and getting through this process, so the, the TCF plays a really, really critical role in that regard. Okay, yeah, that's um, that, that's good. Yeah, we um, um, spoke with the CEO last week on the New Zealand uh, Tech Tech podcast, so um, you know that that was interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I keep hearing uh, the TCF being being mentioned, and uh, that, that their role is quite important um, at the current current time. Now, um, what's it like? What's it like for you leading this team of uh, seven hundred people from uh, from inside your inside your home? What uh, what are the what are the, cha- what are the challenges that uh, that you're finding? Uh, obviously, we know the the technology and uh, um, you know the the great connectivity we have in New Zealand, uh, you know, is is very helpful. But what are the what are the harder bits um, for you? The harder bits is. You know, you're used to that physical contact, so you're used to that engagement. You're used to walking around the office. Um, so that is the the big part that's missing. Uh, what I think staff are looking for is largely calm. So they they want to see that there are plans in place. We're thinking about what's coming up, and there's an element of calmness in terms of how we're approaching the situation. And that's what we've been really focused on. As a we've always always hopefully been one or two step, steps ahead of where we thought the current situation was. Um, it's a leadership challenge, not only for me, but also, you know, any manager or leader in the business. Um, I was speaking to a guy the other day and he said one of the big things that he he kind of misses um, is those water cooler conversations, right? So it's the great conversations you have where you're, you're grabbing a piece of fruit or you're grabbing a drink or a tea or a coffee. And that's where a lot, of, a lot of magic happens in our organization. And it's how you try and recreate that. Uh, and largely an offline world in that you're, you're sitting in an office when you're isolated. To be honest, we still haven't cracked it. We're still working through a range of things to uh, try and figure out how we can emulate that. My only advice is you can't over-communicate in these scenarios. So uh, if you think you've communicated too much, just keep going again and again um, because you really just need to uh, ensure a bit of 
confidence uh, with your teams, confidence in the way that we're engaging with end users, and and ideally we'll work through this together. Um, we're getting some great ideas from staff. We don't have all the answers, um, so it's again how we collectively come up with the ideas to make sure that the leadership uh, team, you know, can can do what we need to do to to support our staff in this time. So uh, again, we're we're scrambling along like everyone. Um, we're doing some things right and we're doing some things wrong, but. You know, we're gonna we'll keep going, and we know we'll get through this. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's, that's good. And um, what about getting your team uh, operating from home at pace? I've heard feedback around things like, oh, I wish I had the chair that I used to have at the office. Uh, you know, at home. Um, even when we we started this call, we had a little bit of a chat about the uh, the height of your laptop and the the camera and the angles. Uh, there's there's I mean there just seemed to be a whole a whole bunch of factors that having to do this so quickly we couldn't you know necessarily uh, address. But I mean it seems for the most part that things are um, things are op- operational. But uh, what are those things that you've you've come across? So again, it's and I kind of knew it was coming. The, the place I repaired for the, uh, the least was my own home. So I've put in boxes under laptops. Uh, don't have my office chair here. Don't have the right desk. Um, so it's it's quite ironic that through all the planning, the one place I forgot about was my own home. I thought putting a, in review, getting a spin bike would have been probably a pretty good idea. But uh, you think about that when you're in confinement. Um, uh, but it's a really it's a really really interesting dynamic in terms of terms of how you go about it. We've got those little niggles, right? So we've got the people that we haven't had the chance to go and do an in-home uh, assessment. Uh, we haven't, you know, the last couple of days they were scrambling with people taking two p two screens home. So we had all that sort of stuff happening. But there, there, there's gaps, and that that's going to happen when things move at the pace you do. Um, the one positive thing with VC is it's very instantaneous. So. In fact, one of the things I'm trying to do less of is, to be honest, a little bit less VC because it's so easy and quick to set it up. But before you know it, you've spent so much time looking at a screen, the day's over. So I, I think part of part of balance in terms of how we maintain some well-being while we're at home is to try and get a little bit less screen time because it can, can become very, very uh, myopic in the way you do business. Um, uh, and and with that regard, I've also found that your meetings are shorter, right? So I find as you're going into meetings, you're doing shorter meetings, you're being slightly more prepared because you, you don't have the time for the small pleasantries and you're aware that people aren't necessarily sitting in an environment that they're comfortable with. So the, the way we're working is changing day by day, um, and I think it'll continue to change, and it'll be it'll be a fascinating exercise to go back in three months and, and look at it. There'll be so many positives that will come out of it. You just probably can't see them at the moment because you're just you know going through the grind at the moment. Yeah, yeah, and and what what sort of feedback are you is getting back to you around how how your customers are getting on? I mean, when we look across the country, whether it's our our big organisations like uh, Air New Zealand who are who are involved in um, you know a, a business that's you know been really completely disrupted by COVID nineteen, um, you know. The, the the state of the play is is really pretty challenging, um, and and there are many smaller organisations in a in a similar um, boat. Have you had you know had had much um, you know feedback and and are you getting a bit of a, a view into um, some of your customers' um, scenarios that they're having to having to face at this time? Um, so certainly in the consumer space, um, you know customers are fairly unforgiving. But um, if we look at if we look at how our consumer NPS score is tracking, for example, our NPS has actually gone up. 
Um, that's at a time where our answer times have, have uh, moved out a little bit. So they've moved out a couple of minutes. But um, I think when customers are coming through, they can see that the, the genuine intent and what we're trying to do for customers and the experience is overall very, very good. Um, we do have some customers that are obviously in, in sectors and segments that, that are struggling. And again, that comes back to my earlier point on hardship. We have armed the teams with how we can deal and manage with those situations as they arise. Um, but more again, at the higher end of town with our, uh, again, larger enterprise and wholesale customers, they've actually needed us to remain fairly agile so we can turn up the bandwidth they've required as they've displaced uh, all their teams to work from home. Um, so overall, I actually think we've, we've we've done better than average on that front. I think the feedback we've received directly from our customers, uh, either through our NPS surveys we do or directly from our larger customers, has been really, really encouraging. And like I said, we've also had good engagement with uh, with the government. So uh, again, probably another area that I'm incredibly proud of is how we've managed uh, the customer engagement through this remote working exercise. Mm. Now, you raised um, NPS or, or Net Promoter Score, and it's something you know I talk to um, people about from time to time. And uh, interestingly, it's not something that still um, you know, necessarily everybody knows about. Um, can you walk us through how Net Promoter Score um, allows you to sort of get the pulse of, um, you know, how you're going with your customers? How does it work? And, um, you know, what it, what is the data that you uh, you see coming back in terms of that Net Promoter Score? And what are the ways in which you sort of, I guess, um, uh, view that? Yeah, so Net Promoter Score is a, is a very simple customer service metric, which involves asking one question, which is, how likely are you to refer our service to a friend or family member? It's a simple 10-point scale. If you answer a 9 or a 10, you're obviously an advocate. If you're 1 to 6, you're a passive. And if, if you're in between, um, sorry, if you're at 1 to 6, you're a detractor. If you're in between, you're passive. So you calculate your Net Promoter Score from your yeah, yeah. Um, people that you're advocates at a nine and a ten, less your detractors uh, at one to six, and it gives you a score. Um, that's a central benchmark in terms of is the level of satisfaction from your customers going up or down over a period of time. Um, across our brands, Orcon, Slingshot, uh, we typically operate at a NPS of around anywhere between 25 to 35. Um, but like I say, since we've gone into uh, remote working over the last couple of weeks, that's actually nudged higher than 35. So that's how we, we essentially measure net promoter score in that sense. And like I say, for us, uh, it's the trend. So it's actually a really good predictor of uh, customer churn over time. So if I can see my satisfaction levels with my customers increasing, I know that my churn is going to decrease and vice versa. If my NPS starts diving, it's an early predictor that I've got an unhappy customer base. So we've been really, really uh, vigilant in managing that through this process. We actually also do a very similar thing with our staff. So we do what's called an employee net promoter score. So that is how engaged our employees are. And we do that on a daily basis. Um, so again, ironically, the lift through this process has been quite remarkable in terms of how that employee net promoter score has is, uh, is improved. Um, and that score, employee net promoter score, doesn't, obviously, it's not about referring a, fr a friend to work with us. It's more around health and well-being, um, you know, uh, services we provide the customer, um, the environment they're in, um, you know, how they're respected by their managers, a range of different measures. So uh, we've got our finger on the pulse when it comes to both our, our staff engagement and our customer satisfaction. That's great. Yeah, it does seem to be that, um, yeah, measuring the staff satisfaction in, in a similar manner um, as you do for uh, customers is, is certainly uh, growing. And I, and I think that's, um, that's really encouraging that, um, you know, businesses are, are um, you know, 
getting the the benefit of using technology uh, to to get a feel for you know just how how happy and and uh, and healthy your, your staff are in your environment. Um, how long have you been running um, running those processes for, Mark? Uh, so we've had uh, we've had Net Promoter School probably going for seven or eight years. So we've got a very long history on that, and uh, the employee uh, promoter score as well has been probably going for about three years in our organisation. Uh, and to be honest, the um, uh, the employee net net engagement score is probably the first thing I do most days when I go in because I can I can get direct feedback from all staff. It's a real time measure. It's staggered across all departments, different genders, different departments. Um, and it's a it's, it's a phenomenal engagement tool for how how your workforce is you know thinking and feeling. Um, so uh, I've always been a very very strong advocate of the um, the engagement scores we get from our staff. That's fantastic. And and um, when um, staff or, or clients fill those out, um, you're also getting comments and and so on back that get uh, get reviewed as as well. How do you um, how do you deal with that and and decide how to you know prioritize and um, you know and, and and deal with those bits of feedback because it's I mean it is really incredible we'll be able to get uh, you know that that real time. Um, feedback, but it does uh, potentially create a challenge in terms of you know what do you do with uh, with all those comments and and yeah. so on. Yeah, and there's an old adage that says never ask for feedback if you don't do anything with it, right? So, um, <laughs> and that that applies particularly with staff and also with your customers. So we have teams that go through um, essentially we, tr- we we capture the extreme. So we'll capture uh, what our promoters are saying. So. Uh, often people focus on what they're what they're bad at and try to improve that. It's also understanding what you're really good at to make sure you keep doing it and improve that as well. So we mm. we look always look at comments that come in from a detractor and promoter uh, perspective. There you go into our uh, obviously our customer service and operations environments. We get feedback from that that will feed back into projects, process improvements, uh, areas we can do better. And again, we, that comes through our monthly reporting. Um, the staff one is even more interesting than that. Um, you know, my entire team have access to it. Uh, any manager can respond to any query. Um, we have a very transparent environment, so you know we will answer any question directly. Um, we're not afraid to you know to have have the hard conversations when we get asked hard questions, and we get some really good ideas. So when we get those good ideas coming through, the real important thing is that we follow through on them and we go back and show the staff that. You know, whether it's something as minor as a coffee machine in an office that we've responded to, niggly things like that versus much bigger things in terms of how teams are working and how we're developing and releasing code. So, um, you know, the tool is phenomenal at both ends of the spectrum from that regard. Yeah, oh, that's that's re- that's really good. Um, and in terms of uh, in terms of things that uh, that you've learned over the past few weeks that uh, you think might be useful for other organizations and um, and other leaders there's, there's a lot of us are, are trying to navigate through uh, this time and uh, in, our, in our own ways in our own environments what would be the the things that um, stand out for you in terms of advice um, kind of touch base on them over communicate um, like I say you keep doing it uh, don't pretend you've got all the answers uh, ask people for answers. Uh, you're not going to solve all the problems on your own. Um, and I th- I, again, I think the thing we've done the best through this process is we've actually, well, we've been hoping for the best. We have planned for the worst. And at each step, we've we've been a step ahead of where we think things might go. And I think that has probably, um, you know, uh, enabled us to to do as well as we have during this very short duration. And hopefully that carries on. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Planning is critical. Uh, don't have all the answers. Uh, and like I say, you're going to get some things wrong. Um, you'll learn from those. You'll grow from those. 
uh, I think your staff like seeing you when you make mistakes as well because they know that you're human and you can you know you can grow from them as well it's what we ask our staff to do on a daily basis right we tell our staff to take risks all right we tell them it's okay to make mistakes so if they can see us doing it as well they know they can do it and i think that's what creates a pretty exciting dynamic within our organization and it's you know from a leader's perspective it's the you know it's the best you can expect from your staff that's fantastic and look you must have a um get a, a little bit of an insight um you know with the business being across australia and 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 New Zealand, um, you know how how do you, can you can you see much difference in terms of um, you know how it is to uh, to do business on on this side, um, you know versus in uh, Australia. I think it, you know every government is under an, an immense amount of pressure at the at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, it looks like we we're uh, you know we've made some reasonably good uh, decisions if we if we look at what uh, what the government's doing here. Of course, you know every country is is being impacted, and um, you know we won't really know until it's all over as to you know how well um, you know each of us kind of uh, guessed in terms of decisions that were made. Yeah, so I actually, I actually run half of the Australian business as well. So I run the wholesale and international business in Australia. So, uh, so I do have some some advantages in remote management, um, given I manage that team. Uh, again, the benefit of hindsight is a great thing. I think what uh, again what we've done here has has been very bold and very decisive. Um, and with that, with that boldness and decisiveness, it's enabled us to plan more effectively. Um, uh, when you look at a country like Australia, where again they have different decision making in different states, um, it does uh, create its own challenges in, in that sort of environment. Um, the, the business over there is again is doing well. Um, like many businesses in Australia, they've actually outsourced a lot of their uh, operations offshore, and um, that's creating uh, you know a little bit of a uh, little bit of pain for uh, all of those organisations over there. Um, but again, they're they're a very resilient bunch, very similar to Kiwis. Uh, have a have a really strong can-do attitude. Um, they've got challenges to come, um, and like I say, it's it's a slightly different environment. They're not at the level four we're at here, so they are still. Well, most of the businesses in, either in a A B working scenario with some working at home and some in the office. Um, uh, they they do have a bit more flexibility at the moment in terms of how they how they're living on a daily basis. Uh, time will tell, uh, you know, what decision was the right one. And, and like I say, it's very easy to, um, you know, critique decision making. But, you know, as a leader, you've got data points and you have information that you need to assess on a daily basis. And you make decisions based on what's in front of you at the time. And um, uh, only hindsight will help us know which were uh, the right paths to go down. But, yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you, you talked about um, Vicus in Australia uh, having, having, I guess, um, resources offshore. Now, as we're working from home here you know, in New Zealand, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say that uh, certainly the smaller organisations have looked to our telcos and 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 in, in various cases uh, seen there being offshoring of of various sort of functions, um, but w- I guess when we look now, everybody is working uh, is working remotely, so it it maybe sort of you know flattens the playing field a little bit for potentially. Uh, you know, reconsidering having remote staff in future. You know, I I wonder uh, whether some of our smaller 
um, organisations that that haven't traditionally thought about giving um, or having having team members um, scattered around the globe, as as a lot of the the you know tech companies uh, do uh, in terms of people working from home and and so on. Um, whether this is going to be something that that maybe changes how we think about where. Uh, where our people are, and if they can be uh, scattered across the country, can they also be uh, scattered across the globe? And and you know, in some cases, um, that will make sense, I imagine, for uh, for New Zealand uh, businesses. Although it's not really what we want to uh, probably hear from a, an eco- an economic perspective, when you know we know that people are out of uh, are out of jobs in in, in some cases. But um, have you got a, a viewpoint on that? Yeah, so so again, I think I do think working will fundamentally change from this point onwards. So I can't imagine uh, any medium to large business looking for uh, property to rent based on a hundred percent utilised workforce. Um, so I think that um, the displacement of staff is going to be going to become the norm. So so the the way people work and the way we interact will be completely differently, and that will bring in bring in capability offshore as well. Uh, interesting enough. Uh, with some of the challenges that our Australian uh, businesses had, we're, we're actually in the process of setting up a remote uh, contact centre for them in New Zealand. So, uh, despite displacing our own workforce, we're also establishing a, uh, a New Zealand cell unit as well to start uh, picking up and taking uh, some calls for our Australian colleagues uh, in the consumer space. So, largely NBN-related calls. So, again, another wow. good example where we have capability, uh, we have processes, uh, we have an environment where we can scale people to work from home. Um, so we're getting opportunities now uh, with that regard, and I think that'll be no different to any other organisation. Um, so when you're looking at outsourcing requirements, it, it might create massive opportunity for New Zealand. Um, That's so, fantastic. Yeah, I think it's, it's going to be exciting. Yeah, so if, if we if we look at that particular uh, area, and you know, I imagine that... Uh, the telcos in, in Australia who maybe have offshored things to, to different parts of the world where uh, in those locations it may not be practical for them to have uh, people working from home. If they started firing more more of that sort of work in the direction of New Zealand, um, how practical would that be? How long does it take you to get somebody uh, you know, trained up and and operational if they're uh, you know if if they're new to working in you know your call center for instance, I, I imagine that's not a you know a five minute uh, thing to get somebody uh, up up and running and up to the the sort of levels that uh, you know delivers those positive net promoter scores. Yeah, so it's really interesting. The 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 typical the biggest time lag is typically the training, right? So it's the people side of it. Uh, it's the culture. It's understanding the brand that they're working for. Uh, the technology's there for us now. So, um, so for us, it's around finding the right people. And and again, luckily at the moment, there are people out there that are looking looking for jobs and looking for work. So the people aspect's taken care of. Um, even the remote training now. So we're getting all the training delivered out of Australia into New Zealand, all done remotely. Um, so. Um, ironically enough, it's it's the people component is the longest longest part of it. We've now developed the process, we've developed the systems, we've developed the capability of this working from home. Um, it's now how you get people comfortable with it. So I think the focus and attention is going to be turning more towards how do you create an engaged and productive workforce working from home now the technology's arrived. Yeah, that, that's... Um... A good a good point around the um, the remote training or the online online training, um, you know, being being such a a key part of the mix. Is that something you've been um, 
you know, establishing much uh, locally, or ha- how does that look for um, for the New Zealand side of uh, of Vocus? So again, it'll be the first time we've done it. So we're we're very used to these physical environments. In fact, um, this week I've got a uh, we've got a staff induction, so we've got fifteen new staff joining the company. And obviously, I, I normally um, come into a meeting room and you know introduce myself. Uh, so this time I'm going to have to do it virtually. So uh, I've got to somehow get my charm across uh, in, a, in a virtual environment, not a, not a physical. Um, but again, it's another really good example of imagine starting new employment at a business, having not met anyone physically, and then going through an induction. Again, I use the word surreal a lot. It's a, it's a very hard thing to understand, but it's starting to feel normal. In the space of you know, six or seven days, the fact we're doing a virtual integration of new staff joining our company feels natural. Now, a month ago, you, you, you would have laughed at me, and, and now it's just the new norm. So it's very quickly... Uh, been adopted as 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 how we're going to go about it. Training will be another dynamic again. Um, the interesting thing from a from a technology perspective is we can still monitor. We can still see what staff are doing at home. We can still see their call stats. We can still live check into a call. So our team leaders that might be we might have a team leader in Wellington with staff sitting in Auckland, and that team leader can uh, listen in on the calls to check that the quality is where it needs to be. That uh, that staff member can ask for a team leader to join their call. So it's, it is quite phenomenal what uh, these environments are now enabling us to do. Um, and again, I, that's why I think the balance of this debate and discussion is going to come down to people's willingness to work from these new environments, because it's also not for everyone. I think it's, uh, it's also an important point to note that while we're getting through it at the moment, there are lots of people that want to be in a social environment, that thrive better in a social environment, the water cooler conversations I've talked about. So again, it's striking that balance between um, what what the future might look like and how you might evolve your workforce to balance that working from home flexibility. Um, but I, f- I think people's attitudes have changed immensely in the space of you know a week. So how far out are you are you sort of looking? Are you um, you you must have to be balancing that sort of look at the the day to day and the oversight of what's happening day to day to make sure that uh, you know you you're keeping things um, running well, um, as well as trying to predict where where things are heading and um, and and make future decisions. Yeah, so my attention starting to turn towards assuming that my people are happy, my network's phenomenal, and my customers are happy. Um, I think the next uh, layer of planning we're going to is how do you actually bring a workforce back again? So, um, again, it's been a very successful displacement of the workforce. Um, the challenge in thinking now, uh, you know, is going to be how do you actually get them back? So how do you get them back into a process of when do you get them back? How do you bring them back? How do you get them to operate? Uh, how do you mix the teams up? Um, so we're scenario planning for level four going to level three, then what if it goes to level four again? Level, you know, level three to level two, and then what if it goes to level three again? So we're planning for a lot more disruption um, and a lot more scenario planning before it gets better, um, and that's really where our planning's going. We're assuming that it's going to be lasting longer than the four weeks we're in. So we've, you know, day six, uh, 24 days to go. I can tell you with three kids, I've got a little uh, board with a marker on it, so I've got uh, 24 days to go. But we are, we're, we're planning and expecting it to go longer, and we're going to be ready if that that is the case. Now, this 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 time uh, means we are really forced to rely so heavily on our uh, technology, and 
I guess it, it leaves me with this impression that this is actually going to help um, help us and our businesses to to really, uh, I guess, you know, click into maybe, uh, you know, I think some organisations that have uh, avoided technology at times. Um, but you know, it's it's a, I guess a great demonstration of just um, you know how useful technology can be, even even if it's uh, you know I guess a, an unintended consequence. Um, do, do you think that that really you know long longer term um, this is something that will um, you know will help us be a, a much more sort of uh, digital nation and I guess in you know in the appropriate ways because we need to balance how we use the technology and um, you know it's not always um, you know it's not always the right thing and and look I look forward to being able to get back into spending time with people in person and, and not just uh, via a video conference. Yeah, yeah, and and again, I th- I think the way we work has changed for good. I just ca- I just cannot see it returning to normal. Um, uh, the challenge is the time frame and and, and the when on that. Uh, well, you've got really exist- interesting examples at the moment. Uh, take annual leave, right? Do you have how do you encourage a staff member at the moment to take annual leave? Um, it's really important. It's really important that you know work is not all consuming twenty four by seven. Uh, upcoming East is going to be interesting. So, so again, when I say my attention turns to the people side of this equation, it's how do you and how can you encourage somebody to have an annual leave day, but to actually really get the value out of it? And uh, it's it's quite a conundrum from a leadership perspective. Um, and so there's little nuances like that 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 are slowly you know coming out as we go day by day. Um, you have to trying to navigate, work through, and, and create the right environment for those sort of things to take place. Um, but the, the you know the world we live in, the way we work, um, the the dependency on telecommunications. I'm you know I've got the luxury that uh, I've always loved telecommunications. I've always thought it's been critical. But I I think the rest of the world understands now it's 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 gone from you know a, a commodity to a, a core requirement for every aspect of of life, um, and it's getting that balance right. So um, yeah, I think it's it's changed for the good, and it's going to put more and more pressure on making sure that. The, Quality and networks are there. The investment in those networks are taking place, uh, and then we still have things like five G come in and all these other things. So it's how the how the ecosystems kind of evolve together uh, to change the way we you know we work and live. Yep. Now, um, you know, you mentioned your your involvement in Australia, and of course, there you have the um, national broadband network there, um, which I think you know most of us we sort of get a- anecdotal sort of evidence on. Um, you know, just ha- just how good um, our fibre network is here with the ultra-fast broadband um, and how well-developed that is. Um, I'm just curious to hear, you know, hear your sights, you, your your perspective, sort of seeing seeing both sides in terms of, um, you know, just, uh, you know, how how well have we have we done here and how well is Australia progressing? Because they've obviously invested a lot of money into their um, um, their NBN, um, National Broadband Network. Um, but it, it does seem that there, there's, you know, there's a fair, um, a fair degree of difference between, between our approach and, and theirs from, you know, numerous perspectives. Yeah, I mean, again, the, the government had uh, significant vision and foresight uh, a long time ago on this, and uh, really is night and day between New Zealand and Australia from a from a from a home access perspective. Um, for the benefit of benefit of people listening, you know Australia's largely gone down a um, fibre to the curb scenario and copper for the last uh, kind of last mile into the house, which is like our VDSL from ten years ago. 
Um, uh, so uh, second to that, they also constrain the handovers. So it goes back to the old days where we used to have to pay for these artificial constraints to sit in networks. So the thought of delivering unlimited gigabyte services into a home for $95 a month uh, makes their eyes water. Um, they just they just don't have that sort of opportunity. Um, so they've been scrambling in Australia to try and get Netflix to turn down HD to standard definition. Um, yeah, NBN has uh, had to open up the floodgates 40% on all their handovers, and it's still you know it's still constrained and bottlenecked. Um, uh, so it really is probably uh, impacting on the way. Uh, the working environment is happening and how effective it is compared to here. Um, again, we've got a quality uh, world-class fibre network here. Um, our, I think our pricing is, is very, very good and very competitive for what you get. Um, and when I talk around uh, the services we can offer on UFB, UFB today with our Australian colleagues, um, a lot of them think I'm joking. Um, so it, it really is a, a fantastic initiative that we kicked off a long time ago. And back in those days, I had an LLU copper network, and I was probably campaigning for long live, long live copper. And I can put my hand up and say that was potentially the uh, very myopic thinking at the time. The, the fibre network has fundamentally been great for this country, the economy, um, and again, one of the small benefits we're getting today. So I'll put my hand up when I get it wrong now and again. Yeah, I guess uh, just just another reason for uh, for Kiwis to come home uh, from from Australia, I, I suppose. I mean, you know, we, we, we're hearing about um, you know there, there being uh, something of an imbalance over there in terms of um, New Zealanders paying paying tax in Australia, but uh, maybe not getting uh, you know looked after on any, any sort of um, yeah level footing. So um, um, you yeah, needed another yeah. reason. That's it. <laughs> Well, th- well, thanks, Mark. Was there anything else that, uh, that that you wanted to share before we finish up? I really appreciate um, you know all the time that uh, that that you've shared um, with myself and and with our listeners and uh, and viewers, um, you know, across the country. And uh, you know, I know there's always a few in Australia, uh, a few usually Kiwis in Australia uh, <laughs> uh, ca- catching this as well. So uh, hopefully they're not uh, feeling uh, uh, any more in pain around. Um, uh, the, those comments with <laughs> this will be buffering in and out for them. Yeah. Um, so, in closing, I actually just want to take the opportunity to, uh, for any of for any of my staff that are out there, just immensely proud of kind of what they've done over the last couple of weeks. Um, I think the whole nation, you know, we, we do have a can-do attitude, uh, but uh, again, what my staff have achieved and the professionalism they brought to it has, has exceeded all my expectations. So, for those of those that are listening, just a massive, massive thanks from my perspective. Um, and anyone out there listening that, that needs help or support or advice, um, you know, get in touch. Um, we've got lots of capability across the business and, you know, we'd love to have a chat. Um, so yeah, don't be don't be a stranger. Pick up the phone. Yep. Oh, that that's great. And um, look, you know, just a reminder for uh, uh, for those uh, listening uh, in um, that if you're interested in hearing a, l- a little bit more um, uh, about uh, Vocus, then we do have uh, two New Zealand business uh, podcasts uh, that are that are of interest. There, one with uh, with Mark. Um, we've got uh, one with Annette uh, Presley, uh, co co founder of um, you know the the New Zealand um, arm of the business or part of what was acquired to become Vocus New Zealand, um, and obviously a lot more uh, episodes there with New Zealand business leaders. And the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, is is out uh, pretty much each each and every week with uh, some extra episodes uh, coming out at the moment as as well. So um, just to uh, just to share that now, Mark, if uh, if people are wanting to uh, 
to get get in touch, uh, whether they're uh, they're looking for a role in a call center or looking for internet services. Where are the where are the places that they should uh, should head to? Yeah, so just go to either Orcon website, Slingshot website, or Vocus website, um, and from all of those avenues, you'll you'll get in touch with uh, anyone in the organisation, including myself. So, uh, yeah, absolutely reach out. And um, thanks for your time, Paul. Really appreciate it. Um, we'll do it hopefully over a coffee or a beer next time. Yeah, face to face. All right. Well, thanks everyone for uh, for joining the show. We'll catch you uh, uh, on the next episode very very soon. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.